welcome to Under the Hood, a podcast by Le Studio, where we chat about the true ins and outs of entrepreneurship with real-life innovators. Hello everyone, this is Sophie Duray. In this series, we are talking about impact and how to create businesses or startups that consider impact as key to their business model. Today, we are joined by Yulia Tarasava, CEO and co-founder of CNote. CNote is an impact investing platform delivering competitive returns by investing in women, minorities, and low-income communities across America. Since its inception, CNote has contributed to the creation of 4,000 jobs, has invested 50% of its capital into BIPOC-led small businesses, as well as 40% of capital invested in women-led small businesses, which is eight times the national average. To this day, CNote can account for zero losses. Pretty impressive if you ask me. Talking about impressive, Yulia has an impressive trajectory herself. She is fluent in four languages. She has a decade experience on Wall Street where she developed financial products over three continents. She is also a global Acumen Fellow. But most importantly, Yulia has a passion for demystifying finance And in this podcast, we'll talk to her about how she turned her passion and her experience into a successful company. This conversation is particularly exciting to me, not only because we're talking about impact, but because I love chatting with women founders, especially great female founders like Julia. Before we get into it, Julia, can you tell us a little bit more about CNOTE in your own words? Thank you so much, Sophie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So my name is Yulia Tarasova. I'm a co-founder and um, COO of uh, CNote. CNote, uh, it's an impact uh, investment technology platform that allows um, institutional and retail investors to put their money to work into issues and causes they care about and primarily focused on their community. Um, we started about six years ago, and this is really an opportunity for me and for my co-founder to take uh, everything we learned from you know traditional financial world and really apply it into their impact investing space in a way that we can really use private capital as a tool to fix some of those structural gaps or maybe issues that our society has been struggling with, but for some reasons uh, just were not able, it was still, you know, like figuring out uh, for uh, innovative solutions. And we could be talking about issues of gentrification, you know, racial equality, gender equality, affordable housing, healthcare, climate change, you name it. There's a lot of work to be done, and we're really trying to figure out how to channel more of the private capital towards those issues and help communities to, to, solve, um, to solve them. That's what I like about CNOTE, and I'm excited to kind of deep dive into it, is the way that, you know, using, as you said, that kind of more traditional financial tool, you can solve holistic you know, issues. So that's very exciting. I would be interested in understanding your background or like track record going from, you know, Wall Street and then getting into the impact investing space and starting CNOTE. Like what personally brought you to that? Yeah, yeah, of course. 
So I, um, I think it's probably worth mentioning that I'm actually an immigrant to the United States. I was born and raised in Belarus. My whole family is still in Belarus. I came to the United States to continue my education. And because I was an immigrant myself here, you know, I did not have such an easy journey myself. You know, I came here with no credit score. You know, I didn't really had, you know, the networks that I wish I had. And I kind of like had to build you know, that letter towards who I want to be and, and where I want to apply my skills. And also like gave me a perspective of that, uh, you know, United States is all well and great and financial system is working for people that are already in the system. But if people are outside of the system, there's a lot of broken stuff there that needs to be fixed. And, you know, for me, when I got a chance to enter this Wall Street world and kind of like sharper, sharper my skills, I was actually involved in a lot of product creation on Wall Street. So I was in a product development, I was in risk management. And so like I was working, you know, creating I don't know, mutual funds, hedge funds, right? Like all these different structures to really leverage, right? Leverage capital and mostly focus on creating more wealth, right? And, um, but then that idea is kind of like, like, how can we actually use capital, not just generate more wealth, but really channel that capital to solve some of those issues that we all struggle as a society. And then I actually had a personal drama um, that happened to me. You know, unfortunately, I lost my dad, you know, a couple of years ago. And that was like actually a big personal trigger for me where suddenly, you know, like you kind of like wake up one morning, right? And just feel like, oh my God, the, the time is so short. There's just like so few things that we all can achieve, right? In this life journey. And so like how we spend our skills, how we spend our talents, you know, like how we spend our time just like matters because tomorrow might never come. And so going through that, like personal experience losing someone and really start looking at life from like a different land was like instrumental for me to actually really making that shift. And so it was obviously not as easy where, you know, where I wake up next day and I said, Hey, like, I absolutely, you know, I want to leave Wall Street and kind of like start something else. But it was definitely, you know, an unfortunate event that kind of like put me on that journey of really reflection and, and, and asking myself this big question, like, what do I want to do with, get with my talents, with my skills and, and what I have to offer to the world. And that eventually brought me to impact investing. I actually moved uh, to Kenya, where I used to live and work, and it introduced me. My journey brought me to the world of microfinancing, and I was working in Kenya, building financial products for farmers in Kenya, um, and understanding again how can we design financial products that actually make sense for people that have nothing and just entering that financial system and have experienced this financial system for the first time. And that's where, you know, I really, it was probably the first time when I really felt like true joy from what I was doing and seeing the impact and seeing the joy in people's eyes and seeing how that, you know, as simple as just like, you know, properly designed credit product can elevate someone's life to like a totally different level. Experiencing that and seeing that once, you can never go back. <laughs> And so having that and seeing that and being in that world, it was it was a sign for me that I just want to continue and I just want to be in that space. And then, you know, a year later, um, they just started seeing us. I always love when founders are talking about how they got into their space and, and why they started their company. And I think the more personal, often the more passionate the founders are. So yeah, I find this uh, very interesting and always, you know, people tend to forget that businesses are actually your baby when you're a founder and, and you have to be uh, very much involved, even emotionally sometimes. So. When you started CNOT, how did you meet your co-founder uh, or how did that process happen for you guys? 
Yeah, I love that story. Uh, so, Kat Berman, who is my co-founder, we actually have known each other for a couple of years before we became co-founders. And, and we were actually friends before we became co-founders. And I met her during that journey and as I was trying to figure out, uh, again, where is my place in the world? When, you know, after that unfortunate event of my dad's passing happened and when I was going into this reflection period and really understanding what am I here for, I was very intense in terms of the people that I wanted to meet, you know, the experiences I wanted to have, the books that I wanted to dive into, all the new theories and um, and all the n- new learnings. I was just like a, a sponge uh, taking it all in. And so I met Kat during that period of time. And I first really was looking up to her as a friend, as a mentor, you know, she was already in impact investing space. She was a part of the venture fund that uh, was supporting female founders. And so there's a lot of stuff that she was already doing very much felt right to me when I met her. And that's why I just wanted to stay close to her to, again, to learn, to absorb, to get those experiences, even if it was through her. And so we built just like a wonderful relationship based on that. And, and an interesting funny fact is that we actually never met in person while building that relationship. At that time, it was actually Skype. You know, we, we both lived in different parts of the world and we were, you know, having this regular conversations on Skype. And then we, again, we, we decided that we're going to work on Sino together and we you know committed to each other committed to that mission to that vision and yet we still haven't met in person you know we actually literally you know committed to each other committed to this idea while on Skype <laughs> and literally the first time we met was when we became a part of the Y Combinator and so I had to come to to San Francisco to be a part of that you know that cohort and be a part of the journey because you know I had to be here in person and that was literally the first time when I met Kat in person when she came and picked me up in, in San Francisco airport and that was just one of those like moments that I'll never forget but I think it's interesting because it does speak to the fact that when you just you know, when you just meet your person, when you meet, you know, that person, they just like fully aligned with you. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you're like, uh, you know, in person or on Skype, it, you just feel it. And that was, you know, Kat was for me that person. That's amazing. I didn't know that part of the story and I love this. And I love the fact that the communication channels and the physical presence like didn't matter in terms of format. Like that was just, you guys were already running with the idea. You were so passionate about it. And that was, that was it. Did you guys from the get-go very align on the impact side of things, which, you know, this is also what is very interesting. Young startups is usually founders, they start their companies, they have all these beautiful ideas and a vision for what they want want to change in the world, but practically it's difficult to embed that into the business model just because obviously you're starting a company and you want to you want it to perform and you want it to be successful at the financial level. So what was that process for you guys? Were you first aligned on having an impact? Um, and then how did that look like? Sophie, it's, it's a really good question because uh, I'm sure you know, C-Note is not going to be the first story that you've heard where there's been a few pivots in between, right? Where we started and where we are right now. But what always stay the same is the mission and the vision. And Kat and I even go as far as call it like our North Star, right? We were very much aligned on what that North Star is, like what the world that we want to see. 
with the world that we want to build for our kids, right? And, and for the future generations. And the mission has been always around, we want to use financial innovation to reduce inequalities, to close the wealth gap, to build stronger and safer communities. And so that always has been what keeps me excited, right, about this work. And when we started, we were a very different business model. You know, we actually started with thinking, how do we engage more retail people into impact investing? You know, how do we bring me and you and, you know, all our friends, right, into impact investing and show them and give them more tools to make an impact in their communities? And also on the receiving side, it was very much focused on giving and offering more capital to women entrepreneurs because you know, I don't have to tell you, right, that women entrepreneurs especially have a difficult time raising capital. So that was really you know, almost like the first attempt. And, and this was kind of like our first, quote unquote, how that we feel will get us to that mission that Kat and Ivy were both so excited about. And then from there, there was different iterations and different pivots. And really was the environment really pushed us to think bigger and bigger and bigger and really realize that it's not just women entrepreneurs who need capital, it's you know, BIPOC communities who need capital, and it's not just business owners who need capital. We also need more affordable housing being built, right? And so there, the number of issues that we wanted to tackle on the receiving side just growing ex- exponentially and also realizing that not only retail investors that, you know, could potentially be bringing capital, but we could also be bringing more advisors into the space, we could be bringing more foundations into the space, we could be bringing more corporations into the space, right? And giving them tools to to put their balance sheet into impact and really show them a new way to manage their cash and to manage their investments where they're not just keeping their assets and their balance sheet with big banks, but they actually um, are interested to put the, the assets with local credit unions, right? That's supporting low-income communities in their backyard and supporting and have products for immigrants and or people with, you know, no or low credit score, right? So for, for me and Kat, North Star never changed. And we, we are quite positive that it will never change because that's literally what keeps us um, excited about this work how we are very flexible about and how I think this is just one of those things where we just need to be responsive to the environment. We just need to be responsive to market and economic conditions and just how our society changed. Like even think about last two years, right, or three years, like how much the world changed. And we, we have to be responsive to that while still staying committed to how we see the world in the future. I love the idea of the North Star because this is something that we always talk to with founders and, you know, even teach at Le Studio. But whenever someone had asked me, like, where do you start with, you know, measuring your impact or having an impact? My first thing is you should have a very strong mission statement, something that actually is going to get you to where you want to go. And that's something that should be actionable. And, you know, mission statements usually are statements companies are using for communication reason. Like it's a nice kind of a thing on the website. But if you put some thought into it and I think align it to your values as you guys did, it can become a tool, like a really strategic tool. And I love that you mentioned that for you guys, the North Star hasn't changed, even though the practicalities around, you know, the business models have changed and been flexible because that's what a young startup is or like that's what a business is. Like you're adapting to your environment as well, but you're still trying to achieve the same thing at the end. So that's wonderful. 
Yeah, and our mission is really, it's what we hire on, right? This is actually our recruiting strategy because you'll see more and more people wanting to work for a mission first company. And this is our, you know, the, the team engagement tool, right? Is our current employees, just like making sure that they understand, right? Like what are we building together? And that's our, you know, fundraising tool. Like it's been like a current tool for us across the board. And we even went as far as actually this year, we converted into a B Corporation. So we actually converted from C corporations into B corporations. And our mission is a part of our bylaws. You know, we are maximizing value for our shareholders as well as pursuing mission for the world. Yeah, that was actually one of my questions or something that I was very interested in, in learning from you is, you know, how has it been for you guys to become B Corps, B Corp certified? And how has that changed your relationship with, you mentioned, you know, the investors and the clients and even maybe the team members? So we started this journey becoming B-Lab certified you know, a couple of years ago. Again, it was always very important for us to understand where we are, where we can get better. I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with B-Lab certification, but it's just a really interesting framework to show you what you're doing well right across the board. And it could be supply chain, it could be your relationship with employers, it could be your relationship with the clients, obviously, you know, your impact on climate as a, as a organization and we were always interested to understand where we stand on that spectrum and also where we can get better again it wasn't really just like a PR tool for us it was really just figuring out where we can go from here and so we've done that um, a couple of years ago and we continue doing our annual certifications and then from there as one of the requirements is actually a couple of years after you get the first certification you actually commit to the fact that you will convert into B corporation and that's really it's becoming like a new legal entity right where again like you are rewriting your bylaws and you're stating what the company exists for and I think for us the conversation I mean with employees was you know it was easy peasy right just because like this is already who we are and even though it's not stated maybe publicly but we've already been acting as the big corporations either we were one or not right from like a legal legal standpoint so obviously employees were super excited about the fact that we are quote-unquote legalizing it but again from just like what we do on a day-to-day basis, nothing nothing really changed. From these other investors, it was a really interesting conversation because we have a mix of investors. We have investors that are very impact cognizant and we have investors that are more traditional investors. And they obviously love the fact that with our business, the world is becoming a better place, but this is not what they you know, maybe necessarily underwrote us for. And they obviously still have their responsibilities to their LPs to show the performance and to have future responsibilities on how they pick and select companies that, that become part of the portfolios. And so that was like a very interesting educational opportunity for us to actually explain to some of the investors that this is already who they are, right? <laughs> either you like it, either you like it or not, but all of them like the fact that, again, that we are so mission-oriented. And so it was just, uh, we, we already this, and then this is already how we act, and this is already how we're making decisions. And so it's really just kind of like putting things on paper, and you're not really going to see any differences. But it was a process of, of, again, kind of like sitting down and explaining and really meeting them where they're at and showing that we really see the mission alignment that we have um, is really something that will actually help us to generate more value, more financial value, right, for our shareholders rather than something that is going to be distracting, right? Just because, I mean, our whole business model is really built around our mission, right? So we really believe that mission is something that will help us to build more value rather than, you know, distract from it. 
Yeah, that's the part that I like when startups or companies are starting with their impact measurement from the get-go and like the intention of having that impact comes in very early is you can, as you said, like you guys were already doing such a good job at sharing that mission with the team and in the way that you were doing things and kind of building your business around that North Star. And then it was just a matter of formalizing it with that B-Lab certification, B-Corp kind of status. And that made the whole thing, I'm sure, not easier, but at least the process was kind of normal and and, and expected and and that was just one more process to to go to go through but I wasn't something that after a few years you had to kind of start from scratch and rebuild I'm sure that was also a, an interesting process in that end and then any other tools or resources that you might have used either for you know educating yourself on impact or even within the company in the way that you guys are building things you've been using aside from B Corp? Kat and myself, we come from you know, impact investing world, right? Or had experience in impact investing world. And I think we all historically used kind of like our own sources to build that knowledge. And for me, for example, I was an Acumen fellow, right? So I heavily relied on Acumen Academy curriculum and Acumen classes on impact investing and all the books that they're recommending and all their, you know, TED Talks that they put out there and et cetera. So that was kind of like my letter to learn more about that space. And then it just continuous learning from, again, going back to some of the people that I very much respect in this place and someone who is really not just focused on talking, but actually doing. I'm constantly learning from our partners, from community development institutions that we partner with on the ground, who is actually doing the work and whom we support, because they are the ones who are doing the work. So they're the one who is sharing what's working, what's not, where the impact can really be created and how do we create an impact that it's that it's real impact rather than, you know, do something and then call it impact just because it's kind of such a sexy concept, right? That everyone is seeking it. And then I think what's important for me, it's also like, how do I share that knowledge with um, the whole team? We definitely have team members joining us, not necessarily from community development space or from impact investing space, you know, we very much going after very diverse talent um, across their country, also across the different areas and sectors and very often people just come being like called to do this work because of their personal experience just because they see that emotional or they have this emotional connection but they might come from a legal space right or they might come from manufacturing space or they might come from again some other spaces that have nothing to do with impact investing and so then we try to do our best to educate people and giving them some tools around vocabulary right? Like what is theory of changes? You know, like what are we really measuring as an impact? What really matters to us? Where is real impact? Where is greenwashing? And so it's probably right now my focus is more on educating the team and just making sure that the whole team is aligned and using the same language. And again, understanding what impact actually means for us as a firm and what we're going after and constantly bringing them back to the vision, the mission. For me, I mean, I love, I love going to the conferences, right? I think it's all this is nice to surround yourself again in inspiring human beings in the space who's been doing this work for a while or someone who's entering the space because there's all this room for new ideas and we've just there's all this room for innovation 
And I think a lot of impact measurement knowledge comes from practice. And you mentioned it, experience. I mean, you were in Kenya and you were like in the field and, and even doing what you do now with C-Note, obviously you're you know on the ground all the time. I think a lot of the impact measurement comes from that practice because it's, it's still a very young space specifically around, you know, how to measure, how to track, how to report. So there's a lot of just learning on from scratch, which has also been my experience coming from the finance space. But I learned everything by just, you know, as you said, talking to people, learning from people that knew best and looking into even tools that weren't made for impact measurement, but could be applied to it. So that has been an interesting journey. And I can see that this is also what you guys are doing. And I love the fact that you're making sure the team is following that journey as well, which I think is very important if you want the culture around, as you mentioned, the, the mission that you have. I do like to understand in terms of like the end users or like the end beneficiaries, as we should say, if there's a, a specific story that you love to talk about that CNOTE contributed to. Wow. I don't even know where to start, Sophie. I have to applaud our team. They do such a fantastic job of bringing together data and stories. So we have an impact evaluation team that talk to our partners on the ground all the time and really understanding what their needs are, where the potential is, and again, how they think about measuring their success, right? How they think about measuring their impact. And then we collect the data. We talked about how many units of affordable housing have been created like how many people were housed in that housing. I just going to talk about how many jobs were created or how many good jobs were created. And so there's definitely some quantitative statistics around our work. And there's also wonderful, beautiful stories that really just, you know, catch you in tears, right? Every time you read it. But I think there's like a section on our website that calls borrow stories or um, uh, partners profiles where Again, we spend time and sit down with our partners and actually understand like how they started as a community development institution and where they saw the need in their community and and why they felt that this is the right way to serve their communities. And we can be talking about one of the oldest Black-owned bank in the country that is in South Carolina, you know, Optus Bank, that's just been there for the community for, you know, decades and decades and decades. And now they're talking about where else Black-owned banks could make a difference in the communities because we still see those communities being incredibly underserved from like a financial point of view. And so we love helping those institutions to kind of like spread their wings and go beyond the communities that they currently serve. And then we have Latino Community Credit Union in North Carolina that just do nothing but serving immigrants. And the, all their staff speak Spanish and you really enter the, the credit union and you feel like you are not in the United States, but you're somewhere else. But they know how to serve their communities. They know how to speak their language. They know they exercise you know, compassion and empathy and really become a family for those immigrants who come here and they're used to that family ties from back home. And, and that's the experience that they're trying to replicate for them. And so I love, again, I love those stories and then I love stories of um, and beneficiaries to, to really understand, okay, so like that Black-owned bank, what type of affordable housing they were able to bring into their communities and how that affordable housing might have helped for people who just integrated back into the system after prisons to 
to really feel human again and to really feel like they society give them a second chance to to actually contribute and to become like a full member of the society. So honestly, it's just it's like hundred stories, and I feel like I don't want to you know isolate one, but it's just every time I read it, it just it's always you know chills and it's always you know like tears and 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 that's honestly it's like smiling tears and sadness and happiness in the same time and realizing that there's wonderful work that's already been done and yeah there's so much work to do i think this is what i prefer when i usually have to report or like look into reports on impact is i like the data i want to see quantitative measures of what you're actually achieving which you mentioned is important and that should be part of uh, you know impact measurement for sure but there's something to be said about these stories and you know more qualitative data tracking where at the end of the day it's all about the people you mentioned the team several times obviously yourselves as co-founders but definitely it's all about people and what you're trying to do with the companies is make the life of your audience and and users and beneficiaries a little bit better which i think is where you kind of want to see your performance i mean numbers are good but sometimes it's just about the people one of the values at CNode is people. We always say that for us, it's really important to put people first, be it our internal team, be it our clients, be it our partners. And for people that is part of CNode, they're big believers that they need to be feeling full and happy, right, before they can really do that impactful work, because it really starts with you first. Yes. And that's something that companies tend to forget, that they focus on the product and the effects of the product, but they sometimes forget that they have people in-house that are also worthy of receiving attention and that for sure they're going to be more committed, more engaged, and generally happier, which is the goal, by also being listened to and, and having the, the right tools to do their job properly, which impact is about the product and service that you have on the market, but definitely is also about the way you build your company internally, which I think you guys did a great job at this, by the way. One last thing before we get into our kind of key rapid questions. I feel like there's also something impactful about you and your co-founder being women in a space where it's not often that you see women founders specifically to co-founders and focusing on impact as well. I feel like this is pretty unique. You know, how do you find that this is also contributing to your impact story? And and do you want it to be or do you want to focus on C-Note basically impact? Oh gosh, it's such a big question. I feel like you need another podcast just for that topic uh, because you can take it so many different directions. I think on one side, I absolutely do not want to be treated any different as a founder. I don't want to be treated differently because I'm a female and I don't want to be given a special treatment because a female, not like I'm we are, you know, it's still still the case that for uh, female founders, it's so much harder to get funding and it's uh, so much harder on many different fronts. So you're still not getting the easy path. And also, I don't want to feel that, you know, because we are two female founders, it makes certain things easy. I think for us, for me and Kat, going back to that impact, right, it's really important, the impact that they're creating in the rest of the world. And it's incredibly important, the impact that we actually creating within the company. So even as a C-note, as a company, we have our own almost like internal theory of change, right? Where we're really carefully thinking about what is our internal culture? Again, how are we contributing to each person and personal and professional development? We want to show that you could be good to your people and could have wonderful culture and still showing amazing like financial results, right? For your investors. And, and so I really hope that the journey of C-Note 
and the experience that we are building internally and externally can show that there's another way to run the business. It doesn't have to be kind of like cutthroat. It doesn't have to be just, again, maximizing profits, but there's just this other path. I don't know if I can like still properly document what the path is. I think it's still for us a lot of like trial and error, but I, I definitely can tell you like there's a lot of this just like gut feeling like, hey, that feels right ethically and morally and emotionally. So like we're just going to do that internally right for our team and for our clients and for our partners and that just like doesn't feel right so we're just not going to do that and it's kind of like using some of that internal compass to make some of those decisions and that's incredibly important for me and Kat because how it does matter and we want to have people that work at C-Note and really feel a part of the tribe part of the family and feel happy that they're part part of this journey. Definitely. Well, I think that's actually a good segue for us to get into our kind of final questions. So we have three rapid fire questions you can answer however you want, but uh, we like to keep it short and sweet. So the first question is, what keeps you up at night? I would say team alignment and team happiness. As I said, um, I do believe that it takes a village to raise the child, C-Note, and to create the impact that we want. And uh, at this point, it's not me and, and my co-founder anymore. We, we attracted wonderful people. And I feel a lot of responsibility for their happiness, for their lives in a way. Maybe too much to take on, but I definitely feel that. And that definitely was what keeps me up at night is just like making sure that they have what they need and they still feel happy and inspired being a part of C-Note. Second question is, what are, in your opinion, the best qualities to have as an entrepreneur? Resilience. There's a lot of ups and downs and that resilience is incredibly important and have that very clear North Star. We're really believing in your mission and constantly checking in with those beliefs and with that North Star just to make sure that you still stay, stay on that path. And third and final question with everything that you know now about building a company and making it grow, would you do it all over again? I will, because it's something that brings me a lot of joy and happiness and makes me feel very full. And that's incredibly important for me as a person. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and this wonderful conversation, Yulia. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Well, with that, we are at the end of our podcast. Yulia, Thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience with us. We learned a lot and I really enjoy our conversation. And I can't wait to see what C-Note is going to do in the future. We'll be following you closely. To our listeners, thank you for listening. Send us your reactions and comments. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at lestudio.io. Next episode, you'll get to hear another interesting perspective on the topic of impact from an expert in the field. Kim Colt, she's the general partner at Baybridge Ventures. See you next time.